Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Nationals podcast. My name is Josh Neighbors. Tonight, it is part three of our prospect preview of the Washington Nationals for 2020. Joining me on the phone tonight, Connor Jones. And we've got a nice little mix here after going pitcher heavy in our last five. Tonight, we have prospects 20 through 16, according to MLB.com and MLB Pipeline. We start off with Jackson Clough, a shortstop who's 23 years old, a sixth round pick in 2019. And he's listed at six feet, 185. We know, we learned last week, or last episode rather, how inaccurate these things can be sometimes. But we'll just roll with six, uh, six feet, 185. He, bat left, he bats left, throws right. He actually is a switch hitter. Went to BYU and after his freshman year, went on a two-year Mormon mission to Atlanta. Um, he then came back and played another year at BYU where he hit 327, 458 on base, uh, 56 RBI in 55 games after missing the season. So pretty good numbers considering how much time he missed. Um, and I think that's the first thing that jumps out to me, Connor, is that after being away from the game, he was able to pick things back up and have a really productive season for BYU. Yeah, it, it, it's impressive how he seems to be willing to take walks at a really high level. One of the things I was noticing with him in college, obviously, the 458 on base percentage is fantastic to go along with that 327 batting average. But even in the minor leagues, he hit 229, which is obviously not great, but not necessarily a major concern for a, uh, for a younger guy. But a 320 on base percentage is pretty impressive to go along with a 229 average, which means even when the hits weren't there, he was still taking his walks. Yeah, that's, that's the one thing that, that, that really jumped out to me about his minor league, his minor league season. And um, when you look back at it, you know, I know that when he makes the jump, yeah, they probably weren't really pleased with numbers with his level, uh, with his numbers in A. And, you know, he got a good number of bats too, 240. So he's got to get better. But I, I like this guy. I really do like his upside. And also, too, like not to act like being a Mormon is some benefit to you playing baseball. But I think the idea that he is very good at committing to something, he came back to school, he obviously stayed you know, athletically sharp during his time, during his mission, uh, performed really, really well. And then, um, you know, he's a young guy, and considering where he is in his development, I think the Nats have a lot of faith in him. I do too. And as long as he can keep developing, he's got all the tools that you want in a shortstop. He can hit the ball the other way. He's got decent speed. Um, so, you know, his ETA is twenty twenty two, and I agree with that. I, I like where this guy is. I'm pretty high on this, on Jackson Clough. Yeah, and I also like the fact that with a shortstop, you can switch him over to different positions if you need to, so you know that he's a good athlete with the ability to get on base, and he seems like he can really do a lot of different things for you, so he's not necessarily a one-dimensional player. He's a guy who can provide for you in a lot of different ways. Right, he came to the Nets, and he said, you know, I saw him do an interview with BYU Sports TV, and he said, yeah, they, they told me they want me to play shortstop, but the option's there for him if he wants to, you know, if they need him to go to second base, and he knows he can play it too, so they both have a shot, um, or he's got a shot to play to play both those positions, I believe, uh, for the Nats. ETA twenty twenty two. I'm kind of on board with that. I mean, I think we'll see him sparingly if things go well in twenty twenty two. If anything does go wrong, it'll definitely be later than that. But best case scenario, I think we do see him in twenty twenty two. I I agree with that. I think especially with Trey Turner there, he's going to block him in that spot for a while. But, you know, the other spots in the Nets infield, you don't have necessarily cornerstones that are going to be locking that down. I mean, Carter Keeboom still has to earn his job. And, you know, there's a lot of, there seems to be a lot of opportunity. He doesn't have to be as a shortstop. It can be as a utility guy. Do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. 
A company called With Things produced the world's first smart scale, and they are still the best. Tom's Guide rated With Things Body Plus the best overall smart scale of 2020. If you are looking to lose weight, willpower is key, but so is having the right tools. With Things smart scales are known for their durability and exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every weigh-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have the Wi-Fi option, and it means you have to use your phone and have it on you at all times. But With Things Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, and even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users, and it even knows who is who. So here's the deal. You can get 25% off a With Things Body Plus right now at withthings.com for a very limited time. Go to withthings.com, W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com backslash MLB to get 25% off Body Plus Body Composition Scale. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com backslash MLB to get 25% off Body Plus Body Composition Scale. All right, moving on now. We at number nineteen. It's Tres Barrera, a catcher who's twenty-five. Excuse me, a catcher who's twenty-five years old. He was taken in the sixth round of twenty fifteen. He bats right. He went to the University of Texas, where he was their primary catcher on their twenty fourteen College World Series team. A two seventy nine career batting average at Texas. A really great defensive catcher, and that's kind of where he makes his money. Um, not a great hitter. Last year he had two forty nine, three twenty three on base. 46 RBI and 66 strikeouts. For him, it's pretty simple, right? He's got to be a more productive hitter. To beat out a guy who we talked about the other day, Rowdy Reed, who we think is a pretty decent offensive player. Um, for Barrera, that 249 he hit last year, that was the best that he's done during his time in the, in the Nats farm system. Yeah, at least in that case, it's a step in the right direction. So maybe there's some signs of improvement there. I also think right now I'd say that he's probably the number four catcher in the organization after Suzuki, Gomes, Rowdy Reed, and then I have Barrera number four. I think it's actually closer than people may think between Rowdy Reed and Trace Barrera just because of, one, the suspension for Rowdy Reed set him back a little bit. Two, he's not necessarily known as a defensive guy, and sometimes that can be tough for with the veteran pitching staff. So if he improves at the plate, I do think he actually has a chance to get in the mix to to maybe get some time um, sooner rather than later because defensive catchers are always kind of have a spot, even if they're not the most talented guys at the plate. Yeah, and he's a really good athlete too, which which makes him very appealing. Um, it'll be interesting to see between him and Reed where they, where they go. ETA 2020, he already did make his big league appearance last year in September. So, yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to see some time in the majors this season. It just depends on what capacity. Um, he's ranked ahead of Reed, but I kind of like Reed just for his offense at this point. And also, he's, he's a bit more of a proven commodity. Um, but we'll see if, what Barrera can do. Because here's the thing. If he doesn't hit 249 last year, I don't think we're talking about him um, being in this kind of spot. When you look back at his offensive numbers, I mean, you know, in double A, um, hitting that 249 before that, 263 and A. So, you know, he's he hasn't really proven much offensive output at, at the higher levels. And also, too, you're talking about a guy in Rowdy Rude who's got some more time at, at the upper level in AAA. Sure. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. But I also think that it's tough, even if you called up Trace Barrera and made him the starting catcher immediately, 
could he produce any less at the plate than Matt Wieters did when he was on the Nationals? True. Probably not. And that guy caught a lot of games, and he he really didn't bring anything to the table offensively. And really around the league, there's a lot of catchers that that don't do that much for you at the plate. So I'm not that concerned about it as long as he's a guy who works well with the pitchers, is good defensively, and is just semi-respectable at the plate. I think that's enough to sometimes to have a role within the organization. So we'll see. But, I mean, when I think about catchers hitting, I think about when Matt Wieters was in the eight hole, the pitcher was in the nine hole, and there was two automatic outs essentially at the back of the lineup. So yeah. we've seen the Nats roll with that strategy before. That's one of the, that's been one of the big talking points that you and I have had whenever we discuss catchers is can you give, can you, you know, if you can give anything out of that spot, um, and that's how a lot of teams are. You know, that's why JT Real Muto is such a, uh, a commodity is that he's a really good offensive catcher. Um, all right, moving on. You go ahead. Not even that many Kurt Suzuki's in the league offensively right. at that position. Uh, moving on, number 18, it's Reed Schauer. He's a right-handed pitcher, 22 years old, a third-round draft pick in 2018. 6'3", 2'10", he's a righty. Had Tommy John surgery, surgery his freshman year at Vanderbilt. Then he pitched 24 and two-thirds innings as a draft-eligible freshman uh, the next season at Vanderbilt. So, I mean, really not a whole lot um, they ended up getting from him. And the reason why he was drafted is he's got, like, a fastball that's around 98. Um, he had an oblique injury the first year of the Nats, not a major one. But he's got a plus fastball. People love his curveball. It's got a good spin rate. And a changeup that will be good. It just needs to all work. So a guy that really hasn't pitched many innings beyond uh, high school, Connor, last year in 12 games started, he uh, 52 innings pitched. 3.29 ERA, 47 strikeouts, 25 uh, walks. He's got an above average K per nine innings uh, and a walk rate that's also super high. So a guy who's clearly got great stuff, he's just going to need that time as a starter to figure out how good his stuff can be and then what his b- best role is. Yeah, he's a guy that I assume is talented just from reading the fact that he went to Vanderbilt. So I assume that he's a, a talented pitcher that can – that has high upside, but yeah, that's obviously a very high walk rate, which maybe it just has a lot to do with not pitching that much. I think the two biggest things are one, staying healthy, and two, being able to find the strike zone, because he sounds like a guy to me that really has the stuff to be a major league level pitcher, but everything kind of has to fall into place. But he's a guy where you don't have to worry about, you don't have to sit there and, and wonder, does he have the ability to do it? Because with that fastball, that off-speed stuff, I mean, that's a guy who needs a lot more innings to probably get there, but at least you can you can see the raw ability with him to potentially give him that chance. Yeah, he's got that ability. In, I mean, the stuff is in spades, and, and that is why the Nationals took that third-round pick and they decided to, to go with him there. I do trust pitchers from Vanderbilt. I trust any player, honestly, from Vanderbilt for the most part. Um, and, like, you know, the ETA on him is twenty twenty one. I do not buy that. But that's totally fine. That does not mean there's a, a player like this. There's no need to rush him at all. With what the starting pitching situation is currently, definitely give this guy some time. I mean, especially when you look back, 12, 12 games started in 52 innings. Um, you're not going that deep into ball games. So the key for him is, you know, they're going to have to extend him some in the minor leagues. 2021, especially with the situation we're facing with coronavirus, I really think that's definitely unlikely, and I probably think it's for the best that we don't see him for a while. Yeah, with a rotation that's going to earn organization that's going to have Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, um, Joe Ross, 
maybe even Austin Voth going forward into this year and next year, I think that he's more, he's longer off from the major leagues than that. And I think that's perfectly fine. It doesn't force a guy into action too early. The only downside to that is um, when you're in an organization or rotation like this, when you get called up, you pretty much have to be ready for, to produce right away or they're going to move on. That's a good point, and that moves us on now to Tyler Dyson. He's right-handed pitcher. He's 22 years old. He's a fifth-round pick. He was taken in 2019. Uh, he is 6'3", 210, throws right, and just as much as we like Vanderbilt pitchers, we do also love Florida pitchers. Ed's career at Florida, 133 innings pitch, 132 strikeouts, 61 walks, uh, and opposing batters hit 239 off of him. He made nine starts in Class A short season, uh, 33.2 innings pitch, 17 strikeouts, eight uh, walks issued and hitters hit 182 against him. So, I mean, he really did a great job. He lost his starting spot at Florida, but you can see why the Nationals took him so high because he did, you know, did have some great results uh, in Class A. Interestingly, speaking of Florida pitchers that the Nats have drafted and then um, used as a starter, and that's correct. That's what they. That's what he was doing last year in Class A. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, so they actually drafted Dane Dunning within the first couple of rounds, and then he was involved in the trade to the White Sox that acquired Adam Eaton for the Nats. But he was a guy that was drafted as a starter really high in that MLB draft, but was actually the number four pitcher at Florida, so he was coming out of the bullpen. So it's just unique to see that out of one school where there's starter prospects that may not even start at their college at a powerhouse program like that. Yeah, and his, I mean his ERA was pretty high, and he got and he lost his start in the his spot in the rotation because of it. It was above four, and so he loses his spot. I mean, it just shows you how competitive it is at a place like Florida. It's certainly a challenge, and there's tons of talent on that roster. But it, it's good to see him bounce back. Last year, once the college season ends, he gets into Class A short season, and having guys only hit 182 against him is something that gives him confidence going into the off season. Obviously, Major League Baseball, the potential of that's probably a ways off, but. You know, it's good for a guy like that to not end their year on maybe a tough college season, but be able to get into the minors, get some confidence back, go into the offseason, and where he can work on some of his weaknesses. Fastball is in the mid-90s, slider and changeup both below average right now. Um, another one of those guys, look, he's a starter, but if things don't go well, he can end up moving to the bullpen. ETA is twenty twenty two, And for a lot of these guys, we haven't talked about this very much, but I think especially for Schaller and for Dyson, uh, trade chips. These these are two guys who are trade chips. And the Nationals, in the short term, are not pressed to get you know um, to, to fast track any of these guys to the big leagues as starting pitchers. So these are definitely guys that you know if they end up producing pretty well and are able to continue pitching well in the minors, they'd be pretty good trade prospects if the Nationals decide to do something here in the middle of the season. Yeah. Well, hopefully, may or hopefully this may be the year that the Nationals don't have to trade a guy like this for a middle reliever, long reliever at the trade deadline. So um, we'll see if that actually comes to fruition, but definitely potential as a trade chip. Hard to say what they would need at that point in time, but um, certainly the possibility there. And that's why you always want to have as much depth in the organization as possible. It's why it's great to be the Dodgers. Not only are they loaded at the major league level, but they're loaded in the farm system as well. All right, our final guy, number 16, Yuan Adan, right-handed pitcher, is 21 years old, signed July of 2016, 6'2", 185, he is from the Dominican Republic, was pitching out of the pen and then moved to a starter in their developmental system. Last year in A, he went 11-3 with a 3.86 ERA, 105 innings pitched, 
90 Ks, 44 walks, 237 batting average against a fastball in the mid-90s, slider mid-80s, changeup 87. So he really has good velocity on all of his pitchers, on all of his pitches, excuse me. Uh, the Nats really want to see more separation between his fastball and his changeup, and he's got control issues, but for a guy who's 21 years old, he is really exude, I mean, 11 and 3 in, in Class A. Boy, you are right on schedule. That's right where we'd like to see. Uh, that, that is exactly what you like to see from a guy like this. Yeah, it does sound like he's on schedule, which is something that I'm sure the organization loves to see. But the main thing, obviously, that jumps out is that walk rate has to go down. 44 right. walks over 105 innings is a lot. Um, you know, Stuff-wise, he seems to have the combination to be a starter. But we'll see You know, if those all those pitches kind of are able to play at that level. If not, then relief is probably going to be where he has to go because – um, as we've seen with Joe Ross struggle at times, you really need to have three quality pitches to be a major league starter. But yeah, and finding the zone is going to be the biggest thing because if you can't throw strikes at the major league level, people are going to tee off on you, be able to uh, throw off-speed stuff out the window if they're not able to throw that those pitches for strikes at well, as well and sit on your fastball. So uh, obviously a lot of work to do, but it sounds like he's certainly heading in the right direction. Yeah, and I think the changeup too, especially what they want to get fixed. I mean, that fastball, you know, it, it needs to have some life on it, and and so does the changeup as well too. And um, they want to kind of separate those two pitches because I feel like they're, you know, from what all accounts are, they feel like they're too similar. And you don't want to have a fastball and a changeup that are similar. That that could that could make for a very a few bad outing, a few bad outings. Yeah, we've seen that before. We've seen that actually with some guys at the major league level for the Nats before too. Uh. ETA on him, 2022, once again, I think that's far too early, but in which, once again, that's totally okay. The, I would find it interesting that the ETAs on all these guys seem to be incredibly soon, which is, I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how major league teams are going to have all these roster spots. Yeah, um, out of all these guys, Connor, who is, who are you highest on? Um, I know, obviously, once again, we're, we're going to compare some position players to pitchers here, but... Who are you highest on out of this group of five? I like the upside on Reed Schaller as a guy that seems to have a lot of talent, somebody that they may have been able to buy low on because of his injury history and and how wild he has been. But that's something that the Nationals as an organization love to do. We saw when they took Seth Romero in the first round, a guy who had some off-the-field problems, probably would have been a top-10 pick. Otherwise, the Nats were able to get him at the back of the first round, how he turns out. We don't know, but we know they love those high upside guys uh, later that have past injury histories. So because of that, I, I like I like the upside with him. I think that if he's a guy that can stay healthy, I think that he's a guy that can be a uh, future rotation member for this franchise. Somebody that you're thinking, well, I, we're going to have to wait and see. You're not too sure about. Trace Barrera is probably the guy that needs to get it going the most. He's He's close to the major leagues, but at 25 at an organization that has – uh, that has Rowdy Reed in it as well. They're kind of competing for that number three spot behind Kurt Suzuki and Jan Gomes if one of them were to go down in a year or two when um, Gomes may be gone, Suzuki may be gone. Who's going to be that everyday catcher? Who's going to be the backup catcher? Um, the Nats are a franchise that's not afraid to go out there and find somebody on the free agent market. So I think he's somebody that needs to go into 2020 if baseball happens and really proves himself. 
All right, Connor, thank you so much. We appreciate your time and uh, breaking down these guys. We're getting close to the top. We're in the, we're in the top half now, the top 15. Some players that people have actually heard of are coming up now. Yeah, I was, I was thinking as we were doing this, well, I wonder if Carter Keepin is on this list. <laughs> At the very top. All right, Connor, thank you for your time.